0: you start at a real place of empathy and understanding, no matter who you're dealing with in terms of your customer, whomever may fit the bill as customer, you're gonna be much more successful naturally. The success will just come because you're real. Hello, and welcome to the Customer Experience Show. On this episode, we talk with Joey Scaleri, the head of industry relations for Live Nation. Joey has been with Live Nation for more than 10 years, and previously served as a vice president of marketing at the Walt Disney Corporation. On this interview, Phil talks to Joey about how to manage the large egos that can sometimes become involved in live events, the importance of finding your voice, and much more. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by IBM. If you are responsible for customer experience, we created a white paper just for you. In the CX North Star Report, you can learn more about how to activate your CX vision. Download it with the link in the show notes.
1: When you ask Joy Scaleri what his company, Live Nation, does, his answer is as simple as it is impressive.
0: We are the largest producer of live events in the world. That simple.
1: As Senior Vice President of Tour Marketing and Promotion and someone who has oversight over much of Live Nation's customer experience, Joey is someone who has to dig into the details of what's going on under him.
0: Well, the concert business looks like a lot of fun, and it generally is for the consumer, and it is for many of our partners and different stakeholders. But it's a heck of a lot of work. It's a ton of work. Logistically, it's a ton of work. There's a lot of minutiae. There are so many things that go into putting on an event of any sort, not just concerts, whether it's insurance, whether it's liability, whether it's logistics, whether it's security, that no one ever thinks about them. They just come to the event. And not that they think it just magically appeared, but at times it seems like it just magically appeared. But make no mistake, there is a ton of work that goes into it.
1: I'm I'm sure, right? Um having tried to put together some small events on my own and working through all those details for months, I can only imagine with the volume of of events that you do, the number of people that you have to deal with both in a B2B sense and in a B2C sense, it's probably pretty immense uh, the amount of organization that you that you guys do. So can you tell me what does it mean to lead in your company's mission and what your personal role is in that?
0: Uh, My role is kind of not all encompassing, but it has many different tenets to it. And I work with sponsors, partners. I also work with the media in helping to promote. I also work with artist managers and agents in helping to strategize how uh, we're gonna sell the tickets. But my main focus is my job as head of industry relations. So that means that means establishing and maintaining relationships with people because the one thing everyone says that it's a business of relationships. But then people get very transactional. And a lot of younger people just want the transaction without putting time into the relationship. And I think it's a lost art. Mm. That is your, you know, that's your that's your CXO, right? That's your your customer experience is whoever you're talking to is your customer. And when you're in a business that's as catch-all as live events, right? If you're selling eyelets for sneakers, that's a pretty narrow customer base you're selling it to people who make shoes and probably only one manufacturer or two because you specialize in a certain thing if you're putting on live events everybody for the most part likes to go to a concert they like to go to a sporting event so as a company that owns Ticketmaster but also puts on the events and deals with managers because we have management company we have customers at all different levels and during all the touch points of the creation of the event. So we have stakeholders and we're partners with people all the way along. The only thing we don't have, we're not an agent. Although at times we will act as an agent for the artist when it comes to securing a show, a private event may come through. It'll go through their agent, ultimately their agent agent but sometimes we'll get the first phone call and then we'll, we'll direct it. So ultimately it's really about relationships and also getting as much dirt on other people as you can. So you can manipulate, but (laughs) I'm just kidding. So I really believe it's important to have a face-to-face relationship, which is more difficult now. Everybody's on zoom calls, but you can still let your personality come through and you can let people know who you are and, your, the, the key is to follow through, right? Always follow through on what you say you're gonna do. Don't over promise, always under promise. And even if you're promising something large, you don't need to blow it up. You don't need to embellish. You don't need to editorialize. What you need to do is say, here's the benefit, here's how it's gonna help you. And what I'm doing is in your best interest and I will always do what's in your best interest. And I believe that if you do that, then your customer, whatever your customer may be, whomever your customer may be, is going to always feel as if they were the primary reason for your existence. And it's not always achievable, but if you strive for that, if you strive for greatness and you strive for sincerity, and you, sub, you strive for clarity and transparency, communication is the key in everything, everything. worst start because people don't communicate
1: for mm-hmm. the most
0: part. Or sometimes they, they communicate too effectively. But at the end of the day, it just shows you how important communication is. And you can't let things become transactional too quickly.
1: Sure. You you know, you covered a a lot of ground there, a lot of really good stuff. Let me try and unpack that a little bit for our listeners. I think the first thing that that jumps out to me is the difference between building relationships and being transactional. And you say it's a lost art. So if we're going to kind of expose to people the difference between being transactional and building relationships, how, how would you describe that?
0: have to show people you care before you ask them for their wallet and it's, it's so easy but people can't hide their true agenda and if your true agenda is just getting a deal done then that's going to come through and ultimately if you want to establish a good base for your existence it's really incumbent upon you to actually care about the people you're talking about because when you care about people and they know you really care about them, the business part is secondary. It just doesn't even, it doesn't even factor into who you are as people. And then you say, by the way, here's what we're doing. Here's what we're working on. Here's what I need you to help me with, but it's going to be really beneficial. Here's why. And you go over the business points, but first you got to find out who the people are and what they care about. Mm-hmm. And ultimately that takes time. People don't like investing time, Phil. Everybody's in a hurry. Everybody's in a hurry because they got to go look at their phone. They got to check their Instagram. They got to post on TikTok. They got to check their LinkedIn. None of that matters. That's all superfluous because what Mm -hmm. matters is you. If you have every social media platform, but when you actually speak to people, when you deal with people one-on-one, you don't deliver as a human being just delete all your accounts because they're worthless,
1: and right? People,
0: you're off the end of the day. If you're not real, I hate using the word authentic because it sounds so inauthentic when people say it now. Mm-hmm. Well, authentic. What does that mean? I'm authentic. You're authentic. We're authentic. At the end of the day, be who you are, mm-hmm. whoever that is. Now look, We've seen it happen where there are people that get into positions of power and they kind of told you who they were from the beginning and it doesn't turn out well. And you, you look at the, the, the ex-president of the United States. But the one thing the ex-president of the United States did that he did an amazing job at, he found a customer base whom were disenfranchised by their prior provider whatever you want to call it, the prior regime, the prior individuals left these people feeling in a place where no one understands me, but this guy does. You can say whatever you want about the guy personally, Mm -hmm. but as someone who managed to, how did a guy who is a TV star, I'll use the term star loosely, but is very well known because of his television appearances and because he's a, a media personality, become the president of the United States. Well, Ronald Reagan, you could say, was similar. But Reagan became a career politician before he ever became president of the United States. This guy went from firing people on a TV show and running his private business to becoming president of the United States without ever having served in Congress. Mm -hmm. It's mind-boggling. You know why he was able to do that? Because he serviced his core customers Mm -hmm. and his core customers were people that said, I need someone to leave me. I'm a sheep and I don't know where I'm going and I'm lost. And he became the shepherd for a group of people. And he somehow managed to harness this all and Mm -hmm. he got voted into power against someone who, who basically took her audience for granted. Mm -hmm. So I just look at it as if, I just look at it as if whenever you're dealing with someone, you need to know who they are. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's hard to figure out, Phil. It's very difficult to figure out who people are if you don't know who they are. And I've definitely found if you lay yourself bare, and by that I mean, you come clean, you open a conversation and say, I struggle with with mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And I've had those for several years and they were brought on because of my stress at my job and my my wife and I have had problems, but we, we pulled them back together. Do you wanna say this in your opening conversation with somebody? Probably not. But after a couple of conversations with somebody and you open up to them, They say, oh, how are you doing today? And you say, I'm I'm actually not having a great day. Oh, why not? What's going on? They they ask you the question, what's going on? Because you've said to them, I'm not having a great day. So now you've basically made yourself vulnerable. Mm -hmm. You want to know what's authentic? If we're going to use that cliched word, vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Vulnerability in a business setting of saying, I'm a human being first and a business person second. And today I'm having a rough time. Well, you're going to say, if I say to you, Bill, I'm not, I'm not having a great day. Joe, what's wrong, Joey? Uh, You know what? I've actually been dealing with anxiety and because of COVID it's gotten worse. I don't know what, what the future is going to hold. And I get very worried. And then you say, you know what? You're not the only one. I feel the same way. Now all of a sudden in a matter of 15 seconds, my bond with you Mm -hmm. was strengthened exponentially.
1: Yeah, over, absolutely. Right? Because I absolutely.
0: Hope you, and then you open up to me. Mm-hmm. But, but it doesn't always happen that way. You may not open up to me. You may just say, "Hey, I'm sorry to hear that." You know, I hope I hope you're going to be okay. Is there anything I can help you with? There's a million. There's a million ways you can go. But the bottom line is, someone takes that first step to show the other person that they're a human being, and it's amazing what can come from that.
1: I think that's a really important point from Joey. Because anytime you open yourself up like that, you're taking the risk. You're risking rejection and embarrassment. But what Joey is really saying is that if you're honest, if you bring your authentic self, it's a great opportunity to connect. When you're dealing with people who have big egos, a high net worth, or a big sense of self-importance, this can be especially scary. Just being real, genuine, and down to earth can cut through a lot of that.
0: I ultimately will always defer to humanity in any setting. Because if you live your life in a manner where you don't understand that we're all here for a finite amount of time, mm-hmm. I- has yet to be determined and every moment that we are talking right now we're living on borrowed time as the saying goes so if you go back and not to get too philosophical but if you look in ancient history a guy like Marcus Aurelius and Stoics right Stoicism has made a comeback because so many people are dealing with anxiety now and depression Mm -hmm. that you have to for want of a better term, forge your steel in fire. And Mm -hmm. by that, I mean, you have to go through the fire to come out the other side. And the fire is your own personal struggle. The fire is whatever whatever you deal with when people say, oh, in sports, we went through such adversity. uh, You went through adversity. That means you couldn't stay at the Ritz-Carlton because of, covid and you had to play in a bubble now i'm not trying to diminish athletes playing in a bubble because for some athletes that was very difficult they had depression they had anxiety they were away from their family but when you put that into context of people in a third world country in africa who don't have water or indigenous people in canada and the u.s you know there's tribes where they don't have clean drinking water so i think that when you just get back to the humanity of everything Because humanity, that's a subject that I took in high school, humanities. And I kind of laughed about it. Oh, who are these? Who's Plato? Who are these philosophers? And then you kind of forget about it. And then when you get older and you actually have some wisdom, that's why old people are wise. There's only one reason. Because they went through a bunch of stuff that that the 20-year-old hasn't. The 50-year-old had 30 years to make a bunch of mistakes that the 20-year-old has yet to make. Mm -hmm. So the 20-year-old is really smart. They're going to listen to the 50-year-old and steal a bunch of things from the 50-year-old while they speak. Mm -hmm. You can steal as a, at the end of the day, steal, borrow, appropriate, whatever you want to call it. When someone who has more experience than you, and sometimes when you're young, you don't want to listen to people. You're like, yeah, come on, man. I don't want to hear your rap. Give me a break. Especially now, right? Especially millennials and it becomes transactional and Gen Z. And, and you know, I use transactional because... I deal with people sometimes where I, where I say to them, slow down. Ask the person how they are. Mm-hmm. Ask them how their family is. And actually care about the answer. When someone says, how are you doing? Be prepared for what the answer might be. And the answer might be, I'm okay. And then you can just brush it off. Or you could say, well, what do you mean? Just okay? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, they're like, well, this person cares about The fact that I am just okay, which most people would just be, oh, that means they're all right. They're fine. But all these little nuances, if you're able to pick up on them, I think it's just important. And I go back to the Stoics and people who endured a lot and made sure that they put it all into context and didn't get emotional. Because when when you suffer a setback, and I use the term setback, it's actually the greatest gift you can get. Mm -hmm. Because it's an opportunity for you to make sure that you learn, as opposed to people who have success after success after success after success, and then one day they don't have a success, are much more likely to not bounce back, as opposed to the person who failed, 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 and then had one success. Because that person is like, oh, man, I was was eating ramen living in a dumpster. And I went to work every day, but I lived in an expensive city like San Francisco or Toronto or Los Angeles. And I couldn't afford a place to live, even though I made some money. So I lived in a really bad area. And those are all things that I just go back to with regards to customer experience. Put your own life and what you've gone through. And some people don't go through a lot of trouble, and God bless them. And then there are other people that go through way more than they deserve, and God bless those people. But ultimately, it's like when you know you know what it's like. Phil is very simple analogy. It, Black Lives Matter is a great example. Okay. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, I'm Italian, so people would think, "Well, you're white." Well, no, I'm not white. I'm Italian. When you're right. coming to another country in 1953, like my father did and my mother, and they don't speak English, you're not white. You're not white. You're Italian. Doesn't mean you're black because being black is a whole other story. That's that's a whole other level. But when you're an immigrant, whether you're Greek or you're Italian or you're Filipino or you're you know you're you're Mexican. And you go to a country and you look different than a lot of the people that control things. You know, my mother was laughed at on the streetcar. People pointed their finger at her when she was 17 year old and she was an immigrant and she would cry because she was, her family was all in Italy and she came here to make a better life. And my dad would get threatened at knife point when he was 22 years old on a construction site because he was taking a white guy's job. Mm. And so the reason I bring up these stories is When I deal with people those are in the back of my mind what my parents went through to get to where they were to put me where I am Mm -hmm. and despite the fact that my father was not the greatest parent didn't have the greatest parenting skills because he's an Italian immigrant and didn't exactly read a lot of books because he couldn't read I take that all into account when I'm dealing with people because when I'm sitting across from Phil Phil's parents came from somewhere and Phil's parents' parents came from somewhere and Phil's parents, Phil's black. So Phil may have gone through all kinds of hell and his parents might've gone through all kinds of hell that I'm unaware of. So I started a place of empathy and understanding and I'm going to put myself in that guy's shoes or that woman's shoes. Oh, that's a really pretty woman. Okay, so you could be the guy who goes, oh man, she's hot. I'm going to be, wow, I'm going to try and Mac on her. Or you can be the guy that says, this woman's really pretty. She probably gets hit on all the time and it must get irritating for her. Who are you? Which one of those people are you? Right? Right. Sure. And, 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 and by the way, you can be somewhere in between where you don't think either. And you just talk to her like a human being and that's fine too. But if you start at a real place of empathy and understanding, no matter who you're dealing with in terms of your customer, whomever may fit the bill as customer, you're gonna be much more successful naturally. The success will just come because you're real.
1: The world famous voice coach Roger Love famously says that everyone is born with an amazing instrument in their body and using that instrument to convey your message is so important and so powerful. For Joey, it was crucial for him to find that voice and be able to feel comfortable expressing how he felt.
0: I, I'm a, I'm a radio host as well, right? That that's that was something I did when I was younger. First, I was on a big rock station in Canada, and I was young when I started. I was 20 years old. So when I started, I didn't speak the way I speak right now, which I try to speak eloquently and I try to be very clear with my diction and I try to have inflection because a long time ago when I was in radio, I interviewed Julio Iglesias and. Julio Iglesias and I hit it off on the air. We had him on a rock station. He did a duet with Sting. We had him on the rock station. I started speaking Italian to him on the air live. And he speaks Italian. So he couldn't believe it. So we're talking Italian on a rock station. And we hit it off. Long story short, he invites me to the show. I tell him it's my mother's birthday. We have plans already. He insists. He gives us 10 tickets. He sends a limo for my mother. I go see him backstage and I noticed his mic technique the way he held the microphone he would hold the microphone very close to his mouth or down around his belly button depending on the song and I said Julio tell me about your mic technique I noticed that you hold your mic in different positions for different songs and you get different effects then the power of your voice sometimes really soft and sometimes it's really harsh and he looked at me and he said the voice is the most powerful thing in the world sure Okay, sure. How many people actually
1: think about that? Sure. That I mean that's that's something that Roger Love says all the time. I don't know if people know Roger yes. Love, but he's his was great voice coach. He's taught some of the, the biggest names and he says everybody has this amazing instrument and using this instrument to convey your message is so important and so powerful. I'm curious though, like do you think what was it about your communication, your engagement with him, your voice that 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 caused that. Did he tell you or did you like afterwards at some point, did he say, you know, Joey, I really appreciate X or was it just something that you guys felt?
0: Well, we, we just felt it. But to answer your, your prior question on how I how I got there, when I started doing the radio show, I sounded like the son of an Italian immigrant. Mm. I said instead of the I said, Duh. I sounded like the Jersey Shore meets the Sopranos. That's how I spoke. And then you record yourself when you're on the radio mm-hmm. and you go back and you listen to yourself and you go, Oh my God, I can't right. believe I sound like that. Right. So for anybody that's trying to improve their customer experience voice, quote unquote, take notes on what you said, record your zoom calls and watch them right now. Cause you have that luxury, right? You can record them. The person running the call can record it, but generally you, you can record them or take some notes, make some mental notes. And you need to get better. There's only one way to get better. You know, that saying that 10,000 hours is what you have to put in to be an expert. So I play guitar and I've been playing since I was 16. I'm 55 now. So I've been playing guitar for 40 years. I put in my 10,000 hours. I'm a pretty good guitar player. I'm not mm-hmm. a virtuoso, but mm-hmm. I can jam. That's kind of my point. You, sure. have to put in, you have to put in the work. And if you're just going to be a person that goes from one customer to the next customer without reflecting on what you were saying to the prior customer in any way, shape or form, and it doesn't have to be some deep dive, psychological, psychographic assessment. It just needs to be. All right. I had that call. You know what parts of it were good I did this well I, I could tell she didn't really like this I got to make sure that I don't go there right away on my next call I got to make sure I sound a little bit more sincere oh I talked too fast oh I, I was talking mm-hmm. too well. mm-hmm. if you're able to do that and that's work if you're able to put in the work then you will become much more successful because there is no substitute in the world for that four-letter word
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, I've, everything you talk about, everything you talk about is so, um, I, I get it. I feel it's so, so relevant. I mean, I, I grew up in Philadelphia area and originally from Philly, grew up in South Jersey, around a lot of Jews and a lot of Italians. And I, like, I know a, a lot of that story, you know, raised Catholic, um, We had the, you know, you had the Philadelphia accent that I didn't want to have. You had the whole whole bunch of different things. And I have actually done that thing where I've heard myself speak. And, you know, like you say, first time you do it, you kind of cringe. like, oh, is that what I sound like? And then you work on certain things because you say, you know, I really want to convey, convey myself in a certain way, or I really want to connect with people in a certain way. And I remember one time I actually had given a talk. And somebody came up to me and they said, I love the way you talk. I love the way you, you give a, a talk. And I was at a conference and they said, I wish I could do that. And I thought, and I said, you know, you, you just gotta do the work. Either like, how'd you do that? I was like, I practiced, I studied. I, I went to, to, to a coach. I read some books. I watched myself on video. I listened to myself on audio. And I was like, ugh. And then one day I listened to a guy he sounded smart, he sounded cool, he sounded professional he sounded calm and chill and then I was like, "Wait a minute that's me right and i was just I was proud of myself in that I had improved that that part but i was also i was also like thankful for the work and then d- doubled down into it just like I do like a, like you do playing guitar like I did when I used to sing. You rehearse a piece once you know a piece that's one level but once you really know like how to, to how it works, then you learn how to perform it. And then you learn how to perform it for an audience. And then you learn how to like convey a message with it and deliver the art in it. And what I'm hearing from you and what you're saying is there's a real art to being present and to connecting with people and being real and being simple and being clear and being honest and being open in a way that can help you connect with a broad range of people. Who some people might be very, very difficult with in a way that's led to success, right. which leads to me is a like a question. And I think you're going to you're going to say something that I definitely wouldn't have expected at the beginning of this conversation, but I'm guessing what it is now. But like, how do you then define success for yourself, for your organization and, and for the people you serve?
0: Success, number one. You have to be happy. That's the number one thing. That's how I define success. Now, that is an ever elusive state of mind for much of the planet. From a from a business perspective, you want to be successful in whatever your KPIs are. So you have to deliver what you're paid to do. And you have to do it in a manner that makes people feel engaged. They have to buy in and they have to want to be part of the team and you have to treat them well and treat them with respect. And, you know, to use a military analogy, when you're going over to take that hill, everybody's got to go with you. And if you don't treat people well, they're not coming to take the hill with you. So you have to, to use an ancient Roman, again, expression, you have to win the army. Just because mm-hmm. the army reports to you or you, you're in the army, doesn't mean the Army is going to do what you want them to do. They may think you're an idiot. Just because you're all wearing the same uniform doesn't mean that you're all pulling in the same direction as you know. So there are many examples of professional teams and amateur teams that have won championships with far less talent than teams with a ton of talent, but no heart, no soul. You know, you look at the Clippers last year. Mm -hmm. Great example. The Clippers were an all-star team. And then they were up three to one and Denver came back because there were a couple of guys on that team specifically who led that team and they were young and they were, they showed that they cared about each other. And, and to me, that's, that's success. When you look at the person you work with and you achieve your goals, your targets, and you can both smile at each other and say, nice job. That's success.
1: Yeah, that's great. I mean, and I think the you know the message here is so so interesting and so compelling in an industry, especially in the industry and the time. You know, um, I, I hope people come to the show and say, "Hmm, I wonder what Joey has to say." And I hope they're all as pleasantly surprised that we're not talking about the ins and outs and music and the challenges of setting certain things up, but just the reality of being of being real, the, the power and the benefit of being your yourself and the, the, the importance now of connecting and relationship. We've learned so much about it in the past year, well, uh, hopefully we have. I think some of us more than others, uh, I think some people may be afraid, some people may be uncertain. But those in the vanguard, those who said this is in in the recap from 2020, when Ian and I were talking about the year ahead, one of the big things we saw, we we noted in our conversations with lots of folks in all these different podcasts is that people are seeking connection. People are seeking, I'll say authenticity, but people are seeking that they can trust in people and organizations as to, as you said, do what they say, what they're going to do, be who they are, be something they can believe in. And you've given us a beautiful roadmap of how to be a person that someone can believe in, or how to open the door for someone else to kind of have that conversation with the simplest, the simplest of things, by just really asking about how someone is, and 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 believing it, and and wanting to, wanting to hear the answer. And, and and connecting with that person. And I really thank you for that. I know that we're uh, a little light on on time. I know you had a you had a uh, another meeting to go to. I'm just curious how much time you've got left. And um, if, if you have any parting shots for the for the folks in the audience, things you'd want them to walk away with or, or tips that you give them for how to get this started, because some people will say, I love this, this is great. I, I don't know where to start. What would you say to that?
0: I think you start with whatever first step works for you and you have to find that first step. You got to take the first step because if you don't take the first one, you're not taking the second one. And I look at my own challenges and different things in life. And anytime I've had to do something, taking that first step, man, you know, you've heard it going to the gym. Oh man. I don't want to go to the gym. I got to join the gym. Then I got to get changed. Now during COVID people are, working out at home more and more, but there are plenty of people who have, can't work out because they can't go to the gym, and that's that's their thing. you got to take that first step to working out at home. Mm-hmm. If you can take the first step, then you can take the second one. Then you can take the third one. Then it becomes easier. By the way, it's going to be hard at times. You're going to hit speed bumps. On step 122, there's going to be a pebble in your shoe, and you don't want to stop and take your shoe off and take the pebble out. You just got to work through the pebble and pebble will, will disintegrate. And I'm being metaphoric about pebbles, but your life is not going to go in a straight line. It's that simple. Nobody's life is going in a straight line. And the parting words that I would leave is don't ever think things are as bad as you think they are. And don't ever think they're as good as you think they are.
1: Yep. Yep. That's a, that's a and,
0: you know, be enjoy the moment, but it's not as bad as you think it is. And you're not as great as you might think you are.
1: And the, and you know, the interesting, the interesting, I think, addition to that is it's okay to be you and be where you are. It's the only thing that's real, yourself in the moment. Hey. Right. And, and, and if you just, uh, if you just be yourself in the moment, if you say, well, all I can do today, I only have 15 minutes to work out. Take the 15 minutes. That's right. If I have 30 minutes to work out, take the 30 minutes yeah. and be like, you know what? It's OK. It's all I've got right now, but it's a step in the right t- direction. Maybe tomorrow I'll do 30. I can only do five of these. OK, then do five and be good and honest with yourself about where you are. Right? I think that's the beauty and the simplicity of what you're talking about.
0: You're bang on. That's, that's exactly it. Take the 10 minutes, the five minutes, the 30 minutes, and don't think that every person that you look at and think is incredibly successful has bumps in their road and their life didn't go in a straight line, okay? Jeff Bezos, richest man in the world between him and Elon Musk. Look at Elon Musk. He gets divorced. He gets married to the same person again. He has meltdowns on, on Twitter. Jeff Bezos, married to a woman, ends up leaving her having an affair or having extracurricular activities, whatever you want to call them. Jeff Bezos is human. He he wasn't into his wife anymore and he paid her a bunch of money and then she said, well, I'm going to help people with this money. That's not a straight line, man. Just just because you have money doesn't mean it's a straight line. You know, you look at Steve Jobs as the greatest example. This guy was a visionary. This guy was looked upon by people that are... That are appleites as a prophet, he died of cancer. It's not a straight line, man.
1: Mm-hmm. Not right. for anybody. Great. Right.
0: Don't, don't look at other people and say, "Man, I wish I was them." No, you might not. Careful what you wish for.
1: Joey's right. No one has a straight line, and that should be a comforting thought for all of us, because who knows just how great we can be. Taking that mindset into customer experience interactions and decisions allows us to treat people with an empathy that not only connects us, but it allows us to serve each other better.
0: Thank you again for listening to this episode of the customer experience show. This podcast is brought to you by IBM. If you are responsible for customer experience, they created a white paper just for you in the CX North Star report. You can learn more about how to activate your CX vision, download it with the link in the show notes.